Pat had the amazing ability to be completely full of it, or seeming to be completely full of it. But if you stopped a second to think, he was being absolutely, completely truthful. He had a great BS detector. I mean, because he was so accomplished at BS, uh, nobody could sling the hash like Conroy could. Pat was larger than life. He, he was a larger than life personality. You know, he was to me the definition of charisma. Everyone talks about how when you were with Pat, he was in the moment. When you were with Pat, you felt like you were the only person in the room. You know, he would get into these conversations and he had, there was an intensity there. And he would shut everything out and he really, really wanted to communicate. If you were in Pat's presence, you, you got attention. You, you know, he, he wanted to know about you. Pat was a Beethoven and his was an ode to joy and his was dark as hell and it was war. And he was magnificent. Pat Conroy wrote his own story. He was a best-selling novelist and a Southern icon. And when you read his nonfiction, you learn how he lived and what he learned in his life. It's been argued that his novels were some of his most revealing autobiographical work. You will find Pat in his books, including The Water is Wide, The Great Santini, The Prince of Tides, and on and on in almost 50 years of writing. He was showing his readers how he wrestled with family dynamics. He was trying to figure out how to be a son, or how to be a brother, or a husband, or even a father. And with his words, he could make you feel a place, especially the coastal low country of South Carolina, with its landscape and its weather and seasons and food and all of its culture. You just knew that that place was a part of him. Reading Pat Conroy's work is one way to learn his story. And this is another. From the podcast production team at Ingredient, this is Pat Conroy's stories. It's a look at his life through the people who knew him best. I'm your host, Tanner Latham. Pat Conroy died in 2016 at the age of 70, following a bout with pancreatic cancer. And we captured all of these interviews and stories after he passed away. We talked to some of his family members and we talked to some of the writers who were his contemporaries and to even some of his oldest, closest friends. And what you'll hear in this series is that Pat is still very much a part of their lives. In this first episode, we hear about Pat as a young man and how he was influenced by his father, Don Conroy. Dad mistook, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, he mistook his family for a platoon of Marines. If you know anything about Pat Conroy, then you know how abusive his dad was. In this interview with Terry Gross on the show Fresh Air, which is produced by WHYY and distributed by NPR, Pat speaks about the great Santini. I mean, he, the exact same thing he brought to the disciplining of 
a squadron, a battalion, a platoon. He brought to the discipline of his children. He ran the house. He had Saturday morning inspections for us. He had white glove inspections for us as kids. Did he bark out orders to you? Oh, of course. I mean, Dad, you know, Dad's, Dad's friendliest tone was a scream. Did you have to address him in a deferential way? Well, in fact, Dad, I did not explain this in the book at all, but my father modestly referred to himself as the great Santini when we were growing up. And he took it, I later learned, he had seen a high-wire aerialist when he was a boy. And he was up doing acrobatics in his airplane. And when he came down one time, when he was a young lieutenant, he said, I was better than the great Santini today. And some of the other pilots heard it, and the nickname stuck. So the great Santini was how he liked being referred to by his children. He would line up his seven children, and there was this ritual we'd go through. And he would say, who's the greatest of them all? And we, the seven, would say, you are, O great Santini. And he would say, who knows all, hears all, and sees all. You do, O great Santini. So this was a ridiculous way I was raised. Okay, hogs. I've listened to you bellyache about moving to this new town. This said bellyaching will end as of 15, 30 hours. Will not affect the morale of the squadron henceforth. Do I make myself clear? Yes, yes sir. sir. I know it's rough to leave your friends and move every year. But you are marine kids and can chew nails while other kids are sucking cotton candy. And you're Meacham's. Meacham is a thoroughbred, a winner all the way. Gets the best grades, wins the most awards, and excels in sports. Meacham never gives up. What would happen if you violated his orders? He, he disobeyed would hit him. You. He, would, he would knock you around, and you would not do it again. It was dangerous to cross Dad at that time. So in the great Santini, there's this passage um, that sticks out to me. Can a boy begin a prayer with the hatred of his father in his heart? Can that boy walk up to the altar of God and can he lay that hatred out? Can he spew his hate and tell his story? Can he tell about the beatings and humiliations? Can he tell of the Marine who stormed the beaches of his childhood? Can he look into the eye of God and spit into that purest source of light? And so this passage is all through the great Santini that just are unbelievably poetic. My name is Tim Conroy. I'm Pat Conroy's brother. And I'll go back in my mind to an image of a family photograph where Pat, the eldest, is standing in the middle of that frame with all of the great Santini's expectations on his shoulders. He suffered all those expectations. Uh, my brother Jim and me, we were flawed. We wore glasses too early in life. We would never be aviators. My brother Mike was too short. He was never going to be on the starting five. The girls on the family, we were, we were in a patriarchal family. They did not count. Let me say that again. The girls in my family did not count, and they suffered from that. My little brother was too, was too young to tell. Pat carried the weight of it all. And through his conviction to write, 
through his conviction to write, he saves a family through that story. Saves my father. You had said that your family denied that any of this abuse happened in the family, but you put some of it in the great Santini in both the novel and in the movie, and it was there for the world to see. I mean, it was uh, pretty evident that it was autobiographical. Um, how did they deal with that? They couldn't deny it anymore. Well, they, we had an odd thing happen in the family chronicle. As soon as this, I didn't tell anybody the great Santini was being written. I was just writing this thing, and once you say this is true, and you start naming the beast that hurts you, so I started doing this, other truths come out. You know, how am I leading my own life? What am I denying? Since I brought such great powers of denial into my adult life, what am I not doing as a husband? What am I not doing as a father? The whole thing started unraveling with me. That Once I kept it up close to the chest, I could hold it all in. But once I started letting it out, it all started coming out. So when the book came out, my mother stunned us all by leaving my father. I think three months before the book came out, she left my father the day he retired from the Marine Corps. They had a parade and march, and she came home and left me. Um, but eventually, eventually, my father becomes a changed man. Over this next decade, he becomes a great grandfather to Pat's kids. He becomes a better father to us. And so through the truth-telling of Pat's story of the great Santini, he saves my father. He becomes Santini's hero. My name is Michael O'Keefe, and I am the actor who was lucky enough to play the role of Ben Meacham in the film of The Great Santini. Dad. Dad. Tumor. Dad, Tumor. You disobeyed a direct order, Hog! A direct order from your commanding officer. Yes, sir. You knew you'd catch hell for it. Yes, sir. You went ahead and did it anyway. I want to know why. Yes, I thought. I promised Arabelle and I thought Doomer might be in trouble. <laughs> At what? <laughs> we met on the shore in Charleston, and um, I kind of came up, and I was dressed for a photo shoot for a make or a makeup test or something, but I was in a suit from the 1960s. And I went up and said, hi, you know, I'm Michael O'Keefe, and I'm, I'm playing Ben. He had this look in his eye, he was like, where did they find you? Like, like, what's going on? You know, like, as if his past had just walked in to meet him, you know? And we immediately bonded and, you know, started having a lot of fun together. And he insisted on taking me up to the Citadel to meet the Boo, Lieutenant Colonel Cavassier, who was his mentor. And, you know, we had this moment when we were there, and the Boo was very personable, kind of gruff, charming, cigar-smoking, um, powerful, you know, military guy, and he made that kind of offhand remark to Pat about how, you know, you know, Conroy, you didn't have it so bad. Your dad just knocked you around a little bit. Some of my boys really had a hard time, you know. And Pat kind of went went into a sort of mild stun mode, you know, where he was like, 
Well, I'm not going to tell him how wrong he is right now, but we're just going to let that pass. And I clocked all of it. And we never spoke about it. But, you know, I know what it's like to be under the thumb of a very powerful paternal figure and what that can do to a household and to a life, you know. And somehow Pat found it to be fertile ground, and I'm not sure how he did that. And it's a, uh, it's a testament to his character and courage to be able to turn all of that into what he turned it into. And to allow Don a place in, in that. You know, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, throw stones at Don Conroy, you know, because I know all too well what it means to live that life uh, that he lived because, you know, I was, I was raised by that kind of a guy. And, you know, I love my father unconditionally. Um, and as Pat often, you know, remarked or, or wrote when he would dedicate his books, when he was uh, signing copies of Santini, he would write, for the love of fathers. And I know what it was like to love someone like that too, very powerfully, you know? I mean, if I'm like anybody in the world, it's my father. But that Pat gave Don a stage to strut that Santini persona, to let, allow him into the book signings, to give him a role as a grandfather. You know, not a lot of guys would have done that. Not a lot of guys would have done that. You know, he had this capacity for forgiveness and for insight, you know, which was evident in his writing and evident in his personality. On the next episode of Pat Conroy Stories, we hear about him as a young adult, as he grew into his identity, and then what he was like in his prime as a writer. He had a, you know, indefatigable sense of humor, and it was, it was always fun to spend time with him, you know, always. Pat Conroy Stories is produced by Ingredient. I'm Tanner Latham, the executive producer and host. Kelly Libby is the editor and sound designer and the music was composed and performed by Wes Swing. In addition to the voices you heard, we give a very special thanks to Maggie Shine, Jonathan Haup, and the staff at the Pat Conroy Literary Center. And we could not have created the series without Frank and Amy Lassane. They own and operate the Anchorage 1770, a beautiful inn in downtown Beaufort, South Carolina. That's where we conducted all the interviews. For more information on the series, visit IngredientCreative.com. Thanks for listening.